Hello and welcome to the second tier. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Grinch to my jolly old Saint Nick. It's just Impeach. Good day to you, Ryan. We'll start off with a question from Elgera. Will Just Impeach turn up for the pod on time today? I can tell you, Elgera, Just Impeach was just about on time. It was about two minutes late for the podcast today, which I count as progress. Justin, do you see it as progress as well? I, I'll be honest with you. I've got nothing to do this afternoon at the time of recording. I don't think you do. We, we don't have lives, so what's the rush? I, I can accept that. I don't have a life at all. Um, it's usually spent just watching championship football over and mm. over again. But at the same time, I appreciate a bit of punctuality, Justin. I, I absolutely refute any suggestion that I am constantly late. Um, I, yeah, no, I'm not having it. It is worth <laughs> pointing out, the majority of time is when you actually are on time. You enter the studio, but then go off and do something else, like make yourself a cup of tea or something like that. It's like, you're not really on time. You're just entering the studio on time and then leaving. If you say, right, if you say, instruction-wise, we're recording at 1 o'clock, I'll be here at 12.55. Okay. I'll remember that for next week. What I'll do is, <laughs> at some point this season, I will just start recording at 1 o'clock and then... If it's just me chatting to myself for five minutes, then we'll see how that goes. Welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We haven't got any guests with us today. The reason being, it's quite hard to book guests when you don't know which games are actually going ahead this weekend, as we're all very much aware, I'm sure. Six games called off this week in the championship. All seems to have happened very quickly, doesn't it? I can't actually recall the last time a game was called off for COVID reasons and then suddenly we've had half the games this weekend wiped out because of it. So we've got six games for us to talk about on this show. Of course, there's Fulham v Sheffield United, which is on Monday night. We'll talk about that in midweek. So we'll go through all the games from this weekend, talk about some of the news from the past few days. I suppose we'll have to have a chat about the COVID situation, won't we, Justin? So we'll talk about that and then we'll finish off with a game. I don't want you to get all too excited, but it's a new game I've concocted so you have that to look forward to but let's crack on with things Justin Middlesbrough 1 Bournemouth 0 Middlesbrough continue to rise like a phoenix from the flames while Bournemouth continue to struggle this was a great game though wasn't it Justin because loads of chances for both sides yeah it's exactly what you want when the previous game which we'll go on to uh, later in the show was was a ball draw um but yeah I thought both sides made a good go of it I thought they were both impressive in, in in their own in their own rights. I thought Bournemouth had the better chances, and, and Borough really impressed me in midfield mainly. I think they they they, they really restricted Bournemouth's sort of <coughs> progression into that final third. Didn't let Solanke have the ball to his feet, which is where he's quite dangerous. Um, yeah, it was a really good game, and I thought Chris Wilder's yeah really reaffirmed the uh, the notion that Borough could be playoff chasers this year this year. The- definitely a team that's going up very quickly aren't they they're definitely on the rise and that's why they're just looking really really good at the moment there was a wonderful moment in this game where Onel Hernandez scores for Middlesbrough (laughs) he runs off to the celebrating home fans takes his shirt off and is swinging it around his head in pure enjoyment and turns around to see the linesman with the offside flag in the air and he also gets a booking for his troubles as well but it's 10 points from a possible 12 now for Chris Wilder's boys from the last four games the really interesting thing for me Justin is Middlesbrough are probably the side I expect to be the most busy in January but here we are with Wilder still getting a tune out of the players at his disposal yeah I think from my perspective um, I I do feel that this squad under Wilder is good enough to compete for a top six place that's not saying that they shouldn't go ahead and recruit in January because there's still a few areas that do need improvement but for me I think the squad is good enough to to compete in the top six they've got you know, good depth. They've got good quality players at their disposal. Um, they've yet to get the best out of the likes of Spurar, Ikpiatsu, obviously been linked with move away, actually. Um, but there's still a lot more to come from certain players under Wilder. Defensively, they look great. Um, but if you were to add in places, it will be in the forward areas uh, and chance creation. But I, I do see them being quite busy because at the end of the day, it's not Wilder's team. Yeah, it is a really good squad, isn't it? And they have got loads of depth in certain areas, but they've also got four or five very good players. Um, Borough have got to build around those, haven't they? You look at mm-hmm. that back three of McNair, Fry and Dykesteel. That's a very solid defence. Mm-hmm. And then Matty Crooks has been excellent in midfield this season. Isaiah Jones has been a revelation at wing-back. I think they're probably 
three players away from being a very solid bet for the top six, maybe yeah. even more. But if they continue this form into January, getting a striker, getting a goalkeeper, maybe a midfielder as well, then this Middlesbrough side will take some stopping, won't they? I think we can both agree on that. There are only two points off the top six now with this win. Bournemouth were wasteful in front of goal, open at the back. Essentially, the complete opposite to how they were in the first couple of months of the season, Justin. Yeah, you're quite right. I was really disappointed with Bournemouth, especially in the second half. Obviously, you're going away to to, to borrow the Riverside, and Chris Wilder's slowly turning that into a bit of a a bit of a, a fortress for for Borough. You've got to turn up, and I don't think Bournemouth did in the second half. They created chances in the first half. They should have taken at least one of them. Wasn't to be. So you've got to stay solid. You've got to keep your heads um, and, and find a way to break break down your opposition. They didn't do that, and and for me, you know, they they hit this same patch of form last season. I'd start to question the mentality of the players. Um, and it's not being overly critical, but they looked a bit complacent yesterday. They looked a bit too laid back at times. And um, I think that's a real problem that, that Scott Parker needs to needs to iron out. Yeah, them being wasteful in front of goal doesn't particularly bother me because I think it's only a short-term problem. It wasn't really a problem earlier in the season, was it? And I think it will rectify itself. It's the other end of the pitch that worries me. Their defence was the foundation of everything good at Bournemouth before and it's probably the main reason why they're still sat in the top two now but the standards have dropped before you could have said yes they've had problems with injury and it's not their first choice back line but against Middlesbrough this weekend it was their first choice back line so mm. massive worries for Bournemouth their poor form <coughs> showing no signs of stopping teams have caught up with them and they're looking rather desperate at this point. It's really, really worrying for Scott Parker and the team. Blackburn's winning run continues. Five victories on the bounce, with the latest being a 4-0 against Birmingham. And this was a bit of a th- Justin. That's an understatement. It was a thumping and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I think it's very easy to get drawn to um, someone like Ben Brenton-Diaz, who's scoring the goals. But for me, it's it's the support that he's got around him. Um, I think one example I had in my head was Christoph Waltz won an Oscar for his his role in Inglorious Bastards. Great film, but it wouldn't have been the same without Christoph Waltz's performance. And you put this um, Blackburn side uh, and the supporting players around, someone like Ben Barrington-Diaz, and they're getting the best out of him and they're getting the best out of each other. And for me, goals don't come for, for BBD if it's not for that supporting supporting for those supporting players. I mean... Is an interesting metaphor. I am always here for mentions of Christoph Waltz in this podcast because he's a fantastic actor. Um, Blackburn were really good here. I know I said mm. they were a bit fortunate in the first three games of this winning run. Blackburn fans disagree, so we'll d- agree to disagree <laughs> on that. But there is no denying in the last three games they've been brilliant and they're clearly a side high on confidence. The table looks really good for them. They're just a point behind Bournemouth now and Blackburn fans are daring to dream, aren't they? They have to. They they should do. They they've been absolutely fantastic in this in this run of wins. Um, obviously going forwards they've been brilliant, but they've been quite solid at the back as well. And they really did take apart a Birmingham City team that is built on solid foundations. They made them look like a team that is languishing in the bottom three. Um, they were they were simply just absolutely fantastic. And as you say, those defensive foundations that that the the run of form is currently built on. You know, five games, five wins on the spin uh, five clean sheets in, in that time as well they've been brilliant and um, there's no shortage of, of superlatives I just hope that there will be a dip at some point but if they can come out the other side and still be picking up results then it's it's a sure win for a playoff place it is worth saying that Blackburn have got a very kind run of games coming up as well their next four they really should be winning so don't be surprised at all to see this run carrying on before the fixtures become a bit stiffer after that My stance will continue to be that I think there are teams more likely to finish in the top six this season and it will continue to remain that way until the end of January at the very earliest. I think the fact Brereton Diaz continues to score is, well, obviously a good thing. I can't help but think it makes it less and less likely that Blackbird will hold on to him in January. I mean, Tony Mowbray has even admitted this week that they may have to sell players next month. And if he goes, then... I think they're stuffed. So that's obviously the big question mark. And then a host of other question marks I've mentioned multiple times means I struggled to get aboard the Blackburn bandwagon just yet. If it gets to the end of January and they've kept hold of key players, they're continuing to play well, even after the fixtures to schedule gets tougher, then I'll hold my hands up and say, fair play. They're genuine playoff, maybe even promotion (laughs) contenders this season. Um, 
but I'm not going to get carried away at all just yet. Um, how are you feeling about Birmingham at the moment, Justin? One win in seven for them. Yeah, I think I said in midweek um, that Birmingham City could be one of the teams that get dragged into a relegation battle. Um, I don't think it will get that severe that they, they'll be in a danger of slipping into the bottom three, but this run of form that they're on at the moment really is a massive worry and, and the goals they conceded and the chance they conceded actually against Blackburn were, were really poor. Um, this game was was <laughs> truly quite quite a terrible performance from from everybody. Um, Sarkic in goals arguably at fault for, th- for three of the goals. Um, I, I do worry a little bit for Birmingham City because they do have this habit of falling into a rut and struggling to get out of it. it they need to get out of it, simply put, and they need to do it very quickly. Yeah, they were playing... I thought they were playing well earlier in the season, despite not necessarily getting the results mm-hmm. that they maybe deserved. Um, but now they're not playing well and not getting the results either, which is a worrying mix. So I have seen Lee Bowyer and fans calling for him to go, um, which I think is harsh, I think, considering the season they've had so far, it's much yeah. better than previous seasons uh, <laughs> under previous Blues managers. Um, but at the same time, they haven't been doing very well recently. I'm concerned. I'm not massively, massively worried yet, but this is definitely something that needs to turn around soon. Otherwise, that concern is only going to grow bigger and bigger. The Valerie and Ishmael derby between Barnsley and West Brom finished nil-nil. A poor result for West Brom this, isn't it, Justin? I mean, you've only got to look at Ishmael sending up Sam Johnston in the final minute of the game with the game poised yeah, to nil-nil. What, what was that about? Yeah, it's because obviously Barnsley had a chance to break away because they had the ball at the feet and obviously the ref blew his whistle. Whether or not the um, the whistle's going to go as soon as the, the corner is cleared is another thing, but it's just too big a risk for me. I'm not a fan of that. But it just goes to show how desperate they were for a win. They were willing to lose the game um, to, to win. It's, it's, it's a weird one, but yeah, West Brom were really poor. I thought Barnsley in the second half especially did a good job of shutting them out. Um, they had a really, couple of really good chances in the first half. West Brom didn't take them, and at that point, from that point, they really struggled. Yeah, they did squander some good chances, didn't they? And that has gone from being a big problem to being the main thing holding them yeah. back, hasn't it? I mean, I feel a bit sorry for Jordan Hugel at this mm-hmm. point. He's not someone I've ever really been a big fan of as a player, but the bloke is so low on confidence. I'm surprised he's even near the starting eleven. really. Mm. I don't think any club in the division is as desperate for a single player as West Brom are for a striker in January, are they? It's so blatantly obvious. If they get a target man who can score, then we could see a completely different West Brom team in the second half of the season. I know they've been linked with Daryl DK, who Ishmael obviously worked with at Barnsley last season. He would be perfect, wouldn't he? But... <laughs> If they get in someone in the same mould as him, then they'll start winning more games and it obviously gives everyone at the club a huge boost. But that's the main thing, holding them back, isn't it, Justin? Yeah, I heard Lee Hendry say that they need two Carlin Grants in that side, which seems a daft comment, but it's so true because for me, they're, they're, he's, a, he's a versatile striker. He can play out wide, but he can play centrally as well. No, um, not, not, not as a target man, though. Yeah, no, not not as a target man. But yeah. It's more 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 to do to do with the conversion and the, um, the clinical nature of of, of Colin Grant. I know he's on a bit of a barren run at the moment, but he's shown that he can um, he can put the ball in the back of the net from from any position on the pitch, really. Um, and they do need a player similar to him on the on the other side as well as Colin Grant himself. And at number nine, I think they are two players short rather than one player short. But it's something that that needs to be addressed in January because they're not going to get anywhere near the top two if they don't. Defensively, they're very good. Defensively, they're very good. Yeah, 100%. I, yeah. You can't dispute that. They've got the best defensive record in the division, mm. haven't they? But Carlin Grant is the only one of those forwards who is actually scoring, while the rest are playing really, really poorly. I don't think they need two strikers. I think they just need that target man. And then if you've got someone like Robinson or Dean Garner mm. playing as a part of that front three where you've got two goal scorers, then you don't necessarily need another goal scorer in that front three, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So I could see why you'd say they need two Colin Grants, but I don't think they do. I think they just need a Daryl DK, really. <laughs> um, and that's the only thing holding them back. If that happens, then I think West Brom will be back in the race for the top two and look a really, really good bet for it. But that's the only thing holding them back, really. I say that, they may end up signing someone and then it may not work at all. But mm. that it's... That seems to be the main problem 
and there doesn't seem to be many other problems at West Brom. He's just putting away the chances and having um, someone who suits Ishmael's style of play as well. Uh, what did you think of Barnsley here, Justin? I thought Mikel Hellick summed up what Barnsley are all about at the moment. Sturdier at the back and proving <laughs> a rather difficult team to beat. We'll leave out the goal-scoring bit for a bit later on. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought they were they were dogged. They were um, they were pushing for the point. They were willing to. Um, Die, die for each other seems a bit uh, seems a bit of an exaggeration. A bit dramatic, yeah, they, they were putting a lot on the line to, to get the result. They were fighting for each other is what I'm trying to say. They they looked a lot more um, resolute, and, and as I say, in the second half, they really did shut West Brom out, and they were trying to hit on the counter attack. Going forwards is still quite an issue for me because they just lacked a lot of composure in terms of retaining the ball or or trying to get into feet of, of the likes of Morris. Um, that's something that I think will improve over time and as confidence grows as well. But this was a good result for Barnsley and a really good performance. Yeah, well, you say it's a bit of a problem. I think it's a massive problem. <laughs> and at the risk of repeating myself, they are good at the back now, but going forwards, they are essentially non-existent, are they? They only have the one shot on target here, and that was Josh Benson from 30 yards out. And Sam Johnson just dealt with it relatively easily. In five games under Poyos Bargi, they've had 11 shots on target, which is a pretty poor ratio. And he has done well to make them tougher to beat, but you won't win a game if you don't score a goal. So, yes, yes, a point against West Brom is a good result, but they've got to show more attacking intent because otherwise they won't win games and they won't stay up. Simple as that. You've only got to look at the table to see where they are now. They need to win games. They're not going to stay up by just getting a point on a regular basis. Um, let's move on, Justin. Forrester flying, aren't they? Three wins on the bounce after beating Hall 2-1. We'll begin with a controversial penalty decision, Justin. Alex Mitam was fouled by George Honeyman early in the second half. Penalty or no penalty for you? I've seen it and I thought he got crunched by Honeyman. I thought it, was, it wasn't like a flying challenge, but I thought he stood on his ankle. Um, so for me, it was a penalty. He stood on his ankle after getting a big toe on the ball. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I might have missed that. Um, I, I've only seen it the once, so uh, same as the referee. So if the referee's interpreted it the way I have, then for me, he's he's he's, he's clonked his ankle and um, he's taken the player down. Look at you being generous to referees I know. once in your life. What a strange turn of events. It really <laughs> is the Christmas miracle that we've all been wanting. Um, this was a really bad decision by the referee. Honeyman has clearly got his toe on the ball before okay. making any contact with Mighton. So 100%... Not a penalty. Did find it funny that Gra- that Grant McCann was saying decisions like this shouldn't be happening in the championship. May I remind you, Hall's goal against Birmingham, where the ball is miles out of play, or Hall's game against Reading, where Reading had two very good penalty shouts turned down. Grant McCann didn't seem too bothered then. So, but to be fair to him, every manager's the same, isn't it? But mm-hmm. he did make me laugh when uh, I saw him saying it shouldn't happen after the game. Keen Lewis Potter's goal, Justin beautifully taken that one I mean the first touch alone was just yeah you've got to admire the simplicity the beautiful simplicity of it big switch great first touch take him inside very composed to bring it inside and then just doing Samba at the near post I mean Samba maybe could have saved it but he's hit it with some some velocity I thought yeah it's a lovely goal really really well taken and it just highlights how good a player he is yeah, ridiculously good player. The first touch, he's done all the work with that one touch, hasn't yeah. he? Because yeah. t- taking it in your stride as well is such a difficult thing to do. But from that point on, all he had to do was just blast it in from six yards out and uh, mm-hmm. Sabra had absolutely no chance, I thought. Uh, Brandon Johnson's goal also very nice very to nice. take too. We talk about players potentially leaving in January, Justin. Brereton Diaz obviously being a key one, but another could very well be Brandon Johnson, couldn't it? He was attracting interest in the summer. How important is it that Forrest keep hold of him next month? I think is it's absolutely vital. Obviously, if, if Brentford come back in for him, um, Forrest might might find it hard to turn it down because of how good he's been. Brentford might up their offer, um, but at the same time, Forrest might have raised their expectations in terms of in terms of value. But for me, Brandon Johnson has probably been Forrest's most consistent attacker in this first half of the season. He's been dangerous. He's been hardworking. He's shown that he's, he's capable of performing at this level. He's starting to grab goals as well, um, and he's he's one of those wingers that. It's, it's very rare now, but he just wants to beat his man. He just wants to get to the byline and beat his man. Um, and that's something that, that 
will hold great value to a, a lot of teams um potentially in the Premier League um so yeah if, if Forest get rid of him get rid of him sell him um then I think they will they will struggle for creativity in the, in the second half of the season yeah definitely but I think for him alone the best thing for him would be for him to stay at Forest because yeah. he's yeah, 20 absolutely. now he's loving his football playing well and working with one of the best managers in the country when it comes to developing young talent. Mm-hmm. If I was him, I'd sign a new contract. Is he going to listen to an idiot who runs a podcast from his bedroom? Probably not. But his stock is high now, isn't it? He can, If he signs a new contract, he can get himself a lovely old pay rise. He's playing in a side that's getting better and better very quickly. And most importantly... He's enjoying his football. At least I assume he is. He looks like he is anyway. Because <laughs> um, he's full of confidence right now. And when you watch Forest games, you can tell the fans are on the edge of their seats when he's on the ball. And that won't happen if he moves on now. Nor will he be guaranteed to be playing regular football. So I think this is his, this is best for him and his personal development. It's also best for Forrest as well. So I think for all parties, sign sign the... What, what, what is it people say on Twitter now? Sign the ting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. God, I, I have never sounded more like a middle-class white man before in my whole life. Oh, anyway, Justin, uh, Forest looking very good right now, aren't they? They're up to seventh, a point off the top six. They've got a crunch game against Middlesbrough on Boxing Day, which is right old thigh mm. rubber, isn't it? Hall gave Forest a good game. Continue to look better than the side earlier uh, than the side we saw earlier in the season, don't they? Yeah, Hall did impress me in this game. I thought, I think, if you look at how good, how good, what the quality of players Forest have got. Um, you know, it would have been very hard to keep them out, and I think it was it was a pretty good away performance. But yeah, you know, maybe things starting to level off a little bit. Yeah, maybe at least they've managed to build up a decent uh, point tally now, yeah. haven't they? To given themselves a bit of a cushion away from the bottom three because that was looking like a, a very stark possibility them going down earlier in the season but it's looking a lot more healthy now just in less of a break after that we'll talk about wins for Blackpool and we'll win for Huddersfield Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Now, have you downloaded the Skybet EFL Rewards app yet? What's that I hear you ask? Well, it's the app which rewards you for just being a fan of a team in the best league in the world. They're giving away a whole host of prizes to fans, including Puma EFL match balls, codes for Football Manager 2022, and the cost of a season ticket at your club. Fancy getting your hands on these prizes? All you have to do is download the app, play the predictor game, and select win, lose, or draw across the game on Boxing Day and the Skybet EFL Rewards app will be rewarding winners who predict the most correct results. This is the best bit. It's absolutely free. So you may as well, might you? You can find a link to the app in the description of this episode. So download it now. Blackpool got their first win in eight games by beating Peterborough 3-1. This game was one all until the 86th minute when the Seasiders hit a quick time double. But a much needed win for Neil Critchley's boys, Justin, because they were sliding down the table at quite an alarming rate weren't they yeah they were starting to show some vulnerabilities that probably weren't there um earlier on in the season but i think this game goes to show that they do have quality in the squad and they've got a lot of character as well obviously going one nil down and if you've not won in seven games and you've lost your previous three you can quite easily fold but <clears throat> they didn't they got they got themselves together and and they pushed and pushed and pushed and they kept pushing because they absolutely peppered peterborough yeah, they really did. They played really well here, actually. And it's quite the contrast to the Derby game last week, wasn't it? Because I <laughs> yeah. was a bit worried for them after that game. And because of their form as well, they'd only scored two goals in their seven games prior to this. So that 86th minute goal must have been a massive relief to Mr. Critchley. They're now up to 12th, but do have the disadvantage of having played a game more than everyone else. Hopefully this result at least helps them stabilise a bit. Peterborough's away record this season, Justin. 11 losses from 12 games now. Not too bad, is it? The second most goals conceded away from home this season is Bristol City with 22. Peterborough have let in 33 in 12 away games. They are hopeless away from home, aren't they? Absolutely hopeless. I don't know. I don't know how we can analyse it because it's just copy and paste, isn't it? Week on week. I thought they did okay in parts. Um, in this game but that's really clutching at straws because they allowed a a team who uh, ability wise in the squad 
coming from League One, you'd assume they're that level, but Blackpool looked like a championship, an experienced championship side compared to Peterborough in this game. They really showed them um, what, what, what they're about. Um, I, I've, I've really struggled to come up with words for Peterborough. They're very hard to analyse away from home because at no point have they shown any improvement and you've got to put it down to that mental block when they go away from London Road. There's really no other way of describing it other than a mental block. Hmm. I'm surprised any Peterborough fans even bother going to away games at this yeah. point. You just know you're going to lose, don't you? They actually brought in a sports psychologist around a month exactly. ago to help with the away performance. Fat load of good that did, didn't it? Um, it's pretty clear now that any chance they have of staying up is going to be based completely on their home results, unless there's a drastic change in the second half of the season. But considering the, I've not seen anything in their away performances to indicate that's going to happen... It is just going to be based on how they do at home. One thing I will say, actually, is this, and you you were just alluding to it then. When I was criticising Darren Ferguson and Peterborough giving him a new contract, I had Peterborough fans saying to me, you've got to remember that Peterborough aren't a big club. Mm -hmm. They aren't splashing the cash and Darren Ferguson's having to make do with what he's got. Now, that's fine, but Neil Critchley is essentially in the same position. And Blackpool has sat 12th. And this is why I don't get the new contract for Ferguson. A good manager can get more from this team, but the sticking with someone who's failed at this level time and time again um, Neil Critchley is a young talented coach who Blackpool got from Liverpool why don't Peterborough take a chance on a coach from a big club who's looking to get into management as well I mean Ipswich have done it now with uh, Kieran McKenna isn't mm -hmm. it from Man United yeah. whether that works out or not we'll have to wait and see but that sort of approach makes a lot more sense to me than stick with Darren Ferguson I mean it's a bit late now because it will cost a bomb for them to actually sack him after giving him a new, a new contract but there you go and finally, somewhat of a shock at Ashton Gate as Huddersfield beat Bristol City 3-2. Bristol City have actually been quite good at home all of a sudden against Huddersfield, who hadn't won in seven away games. But yet, Huddersfield running out here as the winners, Justin. Yeah, and what a game it was as well. It was, it was like a basketball match. It was end-to-end. -end. Um, it was really, really... It would have been a really good watch for any neutral had it been on TV, and I'm sure the fans enjoyed it. Maybe less so Bristol City fans, but... Nonetheless, it was it was a good game. I think it just goes to show how hot and cold Bristol City are blowing under Nigel Pearson because you mentioned a good run of home form and, and they go 1-0 up very early on. Daniel Bentley saves a penalty only a few minutes later. Momentum should be with Bristol City, but Huddersfield turned it around very quickly and um, at that point, I think for me, defensively, Bristol City just collapsed. They were poor. Like Dwayne Holmes just walked through for his equaliser. I was really, really unimpressed with Bristol City's defending. In fact, I've been... Really unimpressed with a lot of their defending this season. I think I wouldn't say they need to recruit, but they need a I don't know a slap around the face because some of the defending this season has been a joke. Mm. You wouldn't expect that from a Nigel Pearson side either, would you? They're usually based on being really solid defensively, mm. so it's surprising that it does happen. But it was a really good game here. I think both these sides are pretty much as you say. Then both blow hot and cold, don't yeah. they? You don't really know what to expect <laughs> for any of their forthcoming games. I mean, that Dan, ben Dan Bentley penalty, by the way, that Dan Bentley penalty save, that was unbelievable. I don't think you gave that enough credit. That's one of the yeah. best penalty saves I've seen this season. Right in the corner. Oh, come on. on, he's gone right in the corner. It was he's... it was a nice height for him, though. I, I'd expect mm. a keeper, if they dive in the right way, they should be getting something on it. Full stretch, though. Maybe the maybe the camera angle doesn't really give it justice. Maybe we need to see a back a backyard view of it. Oh, I think it's a cracking save by wow. Dan Bentley there, but uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Huddersfield needed a win, didn't they, considering their recent form? Mm. They sit 10th now, while Bristol City are 18th, kind of just hovering above the teams who are hovering above the bottom three. They're in a yeah. strange little division of their own. <laughs> uh, the game was stopped for five minutes while a Bristol City fan was ejected from the ground for throwing a bottle at Sorba Thomas. There are actually quite a few things thrown onto the pitch at one point during this game, which was a, a bit stupid um, but uh, I think the, the fan has now been handed over to the police as well according to a statement from Bristol City so we'll leave that there Justin now it's time for this Yes, it's time for the news. And guess what? This is mostly made up of, ladies and gentlemen. The EFL says a quarter of players in the Football League do not intend to get a COVID vaccine. That's according to figures which say as of last month, 31% of players had not received a first dose. It says the EFL has introduced tighter protocols at first team training grounds and enforced more regular testing. 
a guidance has also been updated on the minimum number of available players required to fulfil a fixture. Clubs will be expected to play a fixture where they have 14 players, including a goalkeeper, available from their registered squad list. 14 players does not seem like many, and I feel like if you are forced to play a game when you have that many players, that is incredibly harsh. But uh, nonetheless, Justin, we may as well have a chat about this because we've got time. A quarter of players don't want to have the jab. Are you surprised at all by this? I'm not surprised. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed, but I'm not going to lay into them because it's their choice. Um, if they don't want the vaccine, then that's that's absolutely fine for them. But you've got to take into account that um, if, they, if they do get COVID, you know, the side effects are much worse than the, the side effects of the, of the vaccine, for example. So... Um, I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. I think I think that clubs could probably do a little bit more to educate um, the players. You look at Wolves. Uh, I think Wolves have brought in mandatory vaccinations for all players, so 100% of their players are going to be vaccinated. Um, but I think education is the uh, is the main thing um, that, that that clubs possibly don't do enough of. Really, I think it's. Um... It is interesting because you've got a quarter here who say they don't want to have the jab. And I think that is kind of in line with the national figures that you have quite a few people in their 20s and 30s who um, are just saying, well, if I get the jab, if I get COVID rather, it's less likely to affect me than someone who's obviously in their 80s. Um, So they're probably thinking about it like that. Now, I'm in my 20s. I've had both jabs and I'm going to get my booster when I'm allowed to. Um, but at the same time, I don't think you should force people to have the jab because it is their choice. But you are quite right in saying that obviously the side effects of um, COVID are a lot worse than, you know, the side effects of the vaccine. And you're more likely to suffer from the side effects of COVID than you are from the vaccine as well. I think it is interesting that, you know, players, for example, will happily have an injection of painkillers when it comes mm-hmm. to some sort of injury. But when it comes to having a vaccine that protects you from a potentially deadly virus, they don't seem to want to have it, which is, yeah. which just seems strange to me. But what's, what is the reason why these players don't want to have it? I don't know whether it is misinformation. It very well could be. Um, it is interesting to see that you've got the likes of Steven Gerrard and Jurgen Klopper, I think I've said this week, when it comes to signing players, they are going to be looking at whether players have been vaccinated Maybe that will sway players to have the jab. Um, again, I don't think players should be forced to have it, but maybe that will make them think twice about not having it. Um, we're obviously getting into a debate here where we're talking more about you know society in general, aren't we really, Justin, yeah. as opposed to actual football? Yeah, one, one interesting point, actually, um, back to the footballing side of it, is if you, if you get double jabbed and someone is... Um, if if you if you get double jabbed and then you contract the virus and you're with someone who is also double jabbed and contracts the virus, they don't have to isolate. Am I right in saying that? I don't know the latest rules now. The rules are all over the place, yeah. mate. <laughs> but but I, I feel like that that might have been the rule in the last round of rules that we had. But it's just another reason to to get jabbed as a as a footballer because then you don't force your teammates into having to isolate. Yeah, well, of course you do because if you get the vax, if you get COVID, then you you don't know if you're passing it on to other people, and then you could potentially wipe out half your squad. And as we've just said, where you only need 14 players to be actually fit to play, then that could eventually stupor your team, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. So they've got a responsibility in that sense, I suppose. But at the same time, I don't think they should force people. I keep emphasising that point. Yeah. Um, but I suppose there is a social responsibility as well because you are potentially, you know, infecting your vulnerable family members, for example, and mm-hmm. other people. So, yeah, as I say, we're talking more about society as a whole, aren't we, as opposed to actual football. We'll move on to EFL chairman Rick Parry, who says there are no plans to pause the EFL because of COVID. Speaking to the BBC, he said, if we think a circuit breaker will help, we will do it. But at the moment, there's no scientific evidence to suggest that it will help. We had a question on Twitter from Rob WBA, Justin. Do we think the league should be postponed? What do you think, Justin? No, I don't think it should. I think... I think we're just seeing that there's a lack of prepare uh, preparing from football clubs because of how quickly this variant has spread. So naturally, you're going to get players who are going to get uh, who are going to be um, not vulnerable, but they're going to be exposed to the virus. Going to have to isolate. 
games are going to have to be postponed. It's a, I think it's just going to happen in the short term before um, before measures return to how they were sort of peak pandemic last year, um, where clubs are testing players on the regular. Um, they've got their own bubbles. I think we'll sort of return to that aspect, um, which will then sort of start to level out and we'll see less postponements because of COVID outbreaks. I think postponing football in general would probably do more the harm than good, in all honesty. Of course, you've got to look at whether it's encouraging the spread of COVID, but if you stop football, then it will have an effect on the mental health of people, won't it? With all the depressing stuff in the news at the moment, football gives people a break from that. And you've got 90 minutes on a Saturday to just forget about everything that's going on in the world and watch your team play. Sure, it may be depressing when your team loses, as I often find out, um, not giving any clues away about who I support that, but nonetheless. Um, but for some people, football is all they've got. So to take that away from them, even if it is just for a couple of weeks, it will hit people hard. Um, but I also struggled to see how a break would stop the spread of COVID as well. Um, that much anyway. From the sound of it, footballers seem to be the most COVID-tested people in the country right now. So they know when they've got outbreaks at clubs in most cases. And in the grand scheme of things, does two squads of players coming together really make much of a difference to the overall infection rate in the country? I I don't see how. So an argument could be made for stopping fans going to games again. um, But I hope it doesn't come to that because, as I say, I think it would do more harm than good and as long as the proper you know testing is in place with yeah. covid passports and what have you we won't even dare get into that um then at least something's being done in that kind of sense so it's got to come from the very top is what i'm ultimately trying to say uh, birmingham have put club captain harley dean on the transfer list the 30 year old defender hasn't played in the last four games and he's now seen a surplus to requirements lee bowyer said we've had a discussion with harley we've said this is a club in transition and harley is one of the players we'll be looking to move on in january justin your thoughts on that um to be really blunt, I don't particularly rate Harley Dean. I think he showed a little bit of good form, um, but his antics last season, post Karenka, I think shows what what sort of captain he was. I was really disappointed with that. Um, so I'm not surprised. I think Birmingham City can do better. They have done better recently with the players that have filled in for him. Um, so yeah, I'm not surprised really. Mm, I think he is just a. a- solid championship defender isn't he he's nothing particularly remarkable and if Birmingham are a club who wants to start you know moving up the table then you've got to look a bit for someone a bit better than that really Um, and his best days are behind him he showed a decent bit of form at times for Birmingham and has looked a fairly solid defender over the years but as I say he's just a solid championship defender that he's nothing more nothing less particularly Andre Gray has won the goal of the month award for that worldie for QPR against Derby did you see that Mark Warburton had to take his picture of the award because Andre Gray I think he was away with Covid Mm. but it looks like in the pictures that Mark Warburton has won goal of the month which (laughs) made me laugh Spectacular from Orbiton, wasn't it? I think um, I think the biggest injustice was the commentary for the goal. I've heard a lot of QPR fans disagree with the uh, the lack of passion shown by the commentator. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll not speak about that. Yeah, we'll leave that there. And finally, Darren Purse is the new Cardiff Under-23s manager. He replaces Steve Morrison, who's obviously now the first team boss. Always love to see Darren Purse. My memories of him as a footballer is he's very, very hard. Um, Justin, <laughs> let's do some polls before uh, we say anything that might upset Darren Purse and he'll come up and beat us up. Um, we'll do some polls. This is the part of the show where we give our listeners three questions on Twitter because we want to get their thoughts on things to do with the championship. This question is an interesting one, Justin. What do the EFL do? Pause football for a bit. Stop fans going to games or carry on as we are. What do you think? Probably carry on as we are. I think people will start to not go to football because of the risk, which again, will start to balance out as long as people are sensible and taking tests and wearing masks. We should be fine. 60% said carry on as we are. This is interesting. 34% said pause football for a bit which I did not expect to happen when I put that question out. Uh, 6% said stop fans going to games. Where will Bournemouth finish this season? Top two, top six or outside of the top six? I mean, the top two is within the top six. It would be easy for me to say the top six. I do think they've got the quality and balance amongst the squad to finish in the top two, but they've got to get out of this rut. Um, So I'd say top six at the minute. 
I'm really not sure. I'm really struggling to put my finger on Bournemouth at the moment. Uh, 64% of people said top six. 30% said top two. 6% said outside of the top six. And finally, what's the best chocolate selection box? Celebrations, Heroes, Quality Street or Roses? I'd have said Celebrations a year ago, but this year I'm, I'm really enjoying Quality Street. I'm also really enjoying Quality Street. I don't know why. I've never really yeah. been much of a Quality Street fan, but Neither have I. the past couple of weeks, I've been, I think I've got through two tubs of them. Oh, wow. They're just yeah. really nice. The caramel one in particular. Oh, It's, it's the strawberry one. Strawberry one for me. The strawberry one is, is yeah, it's top notch. I don't really have any that I don't like in there, I don't think, unless I'm seriously forgetting one, but the it's caramel, just a fantastic... The, the, the toffee pennies, come on. They are absolute, they're dreadful. I, I'm happy with them. They You're, don't wow. cause much disturbance to my life. Um, if Quality Street wants to sponsor us, then we're here. Um, 39% of people said celebrations, you basic people. 34% said heroes. 18% said Quality Street. 9% said roses. I'm surprised anyone voted for roses. Roses are bang average. Uh, right, now it's time for this. Actually, I say it's time for this. We haven't got a jingle for this because it's our new game, Justin. This game is called, well, obviously, we usually play Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight right now. But since it's just me and you, Justin, we'll play a different game this week. And it's completely new. I made it up just a few days ago. It's called Yobi McEnough, Real or Bluff? What me and Justin are going to do is we're going to give each other 10 names. Some of them are players who have played in the championship in seasons past. Others are completely made up. We've just got to figure out which have played in the championship and which ones haven't. Whoever has the most correct answers wins. Okay, so Justin, um, how's this going to work then? Do you want to go first? You can give me a, a player and I'll go after that. So you've made names up? Yes. Okay, well, I've just picked players who may or may not have played in the championship. Oh, right. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. Right, well... In the, the, game's, future, the game still works. If, we've ever, if we ever decide to do this again, then, yeah, we'll make sure it's fake names next time because I've just completely made up different names. <laughs> okay, you, j- just go first. Go on. Right. Frank Lampard. No. Yes, no, yes. Wait, hang Wait, on. Come on, what is it? Yeah, come uh, on. Are we counting the championship or the second tier? Oh, uh, the second tier. Second tier, okay. This game is an absolute disaster already. I like um, it. Yeah, he played for Swansea, didn't he? He did play for Swansea. Was that in the second tier? In the second division. Which? So below is... the first division. Which is so the third the tier. The third tier. Right, damn it. Okay, so... I've got one wrong already. I'll keep score of myself, if, if that's all right with you, Justin. Um, so I've got zero. So far, let me just write that down. Uh, the first player I've given you is Matteo Lanzoni. Is he a real player or is he completely made up? See, QPR had this period in like the late 2000s of signing a ton of Italian players. And I feel like he could have played for QPR. But I'm going to say he's made up. He's actually real. He made six appearances for Yeovil in 2013 14. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeovil. Um, next one, please, Justin. Yakubu. Yes. I, I vaguely remember him playing for Leicester, was it? Portsmouth, Leicester, and Reading. There you go. Yes, I, I remember him playing. I vividly remember him playing, actually. I remember going to a game when he was playing in the championship. Um, so, yes. That's one down for me. Your next one is Joseph Farga. Jesus Christ, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> You've managed to find like the most miscellaneous names possible. <laughs> it's it's basic I'm basically a football manager generator, random name generator. Yeah, these are all regions. Um I'm gonna say he's fake. He is real. He made 34 appearances for Middlesbrough in 2013-14. One season. That's quite a lot. That's quite a lot. Yeah, completely passed me by. Um, So, Justin, you've still got none. I've got one so far. Can I have my next one, please? You can. Um, Martin Petrov. The one who used to play for Bolton? The one who used to play for, yeah, Man City. Atletico Madrid? Don't think he played in the second tier. He did. True. Bolton. Fair enough then. There we go. There you go. Um, your next one is Shane Warne. Hmm. That's bait. That's bait. You're saying that's fake? Yeah. 
yes, Shane Warne is fake. So that is bluff. Um, this has been an absolute disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, you're off the mark. Uh, so it's one each so far. Can I have my next one, please? Prolific goal scorer and now pressing manager, Ryan Lowe. No, 100% no. Yeah, he didn't play. No, he was that surprised me. in the league two for years. It surprised me. Never made an appearance in the championship. No, it doesn't surprise me at all. Your next one is Michelle Naturari. Oh, my God. It was, I thought mine would be harder. <laughs> Michelle Naturari. Yep. He's got it like a, a, a West Ham 0405 season here, maybe. I'm going to say he's real. He's fake. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> One all still. I, I'm not sure which version of the game is better because we've done two versions here and yeah. <laughs> I'm quite enjoying well, my version. Yeah. I like okay. mine as well, to be fair. Can we do the next one, please, Justin? The the beast that is Chris Samba. Um, did he play with QPR? I feel like he might, might have had a, a spell with Blackburn, actually. Hmm. I'm going to say yes. Uh, that's really annoying. He did, but it was for neither of those teams. He played for Villa in 17-18. Wow. That is completely passed me by. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so I've got three so far. You've got one. Yep. Your next one is this. Cody Cropper. Yes. Uh, he's a keeper. I'm not sure if he was a keeper, but he is someone who played in the championship. He made yeah. nine appearances for MK Dons in 2015-16. Next one, please, Justin. Lamanu Lawalawa. Yes, surely. Are you, are you confident with that? No. <laughs> are you going with yes? Yes, I am. I'm resorting to playing mind games. Yes, he did play in the championship. Okay. Who did he play for? Blackpool in 11-12. Oh, was that when Blackpool just signed everyone that was moving? Yes. Or was that yes, a few it. seasons later? No. Uh, well, uh, Ian Holloway had a habit of signing every attacker that became available. But then yeah. they did go through that period in 14-15 where they just signed anyone who would come to the club. There we go. Um, I've got four out of six. Justin, you've got two out of five, I think. Here's your yes. sixth one. Yuku Abe. Sorry, what? Yuku Abe. Yuku Abe. I'm going to say yes. He made 52 appearances for Leicester between 2011 and 2013. Um, I don't know if I pronounced his name right there. I might have mm. completely butchered that. Um, so you've got another one, right? Can I have my next one, please? You can. Tony Hibbert. No. Oh, yeah, no, straight didn't. off the bat. He just played for Everton, didn't he? Just played for Everton. I feel like he's one of those players that might have like played for Bolton for a season. Yeah. And then he retired. And through and through. Uh, your next one is Sonny Bill Smith. That sounds like a football manager region name. <laughs> Sonny Will Smith. That's no. No, so, no Sonny Bill Smith. Sonny Bill Smith. <laughs> oh, God. No, I don't think he did. I think you made that one up. Yeah, he's completely made up. <laughs> I've got five out of seven. You've got three four out, out of seven. Three out of seven. Three out of six. Uh, next one, please, Justin. El Hadjouf. Oh, that's a good one. That is a very good one. Yeah, did he play for Leeds? He did play for Leeds. Yes, thought so. I remember, yeah, I think Warnock signed him, didn't he? He did, but he also played for Doncaster. He played for Doncaster before he played for Leeds. He was one of those mad ones who went to Doncaster when they were literally signing anything that moved. Um, not literally signing anything that moved, but you know what I mean. Uh, your next one is Florin Kazan. Florin Kazan. Sounds like a, a left winger. I'm going to say he's real. He's completely made up. Oh. Florin Kazan does not <laughs> exist. <laughs> next one, please. James Norwood. James Norwood. Oh, um, Ipswich one. Um, you, who did he play for before Tranmere? I'm going to say no. Mm, yes, you're right. Mm, yeah, he was proper non-league, wasn't he? Very non-league. Very, very non-league, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I've got... I've lost count here. This has gone completely and terribly tits up. Um, I, I think I've got seven out of nine. I think so, yeah. You, you're beating yeah. me. 
It's good. No, not yeah, I think, I, I think I've won. Who cares anymore? Uh, your second last one is Yuri Mata. Yuri. Oh, you can't even. That's real. You can't even read it. You can't even read the guy's name. Yuri Makatevsky. That's real. It's fake. <laughs> You're quite, you, was that a bluff? I, I genuinely wrote it down and then just completely oh uh, messed it up when I tried to read it out just then. Uh, yeah, Yuri Makatevsky is completely made up. Uh, last one for me, Justin. <laughs> Paul Robinson. Which one? Goalkeeper. Yeah, he played for Blackburn. Oh, I didn't think that would be so easy. Yeah, he was at Blackburn for years. Yeah, but he, I thought I, I thought in my head that he left Blackburn before no, they no. got relegated. No, he, he was there for a long time afterwards. I, mean, I think he played quite a bit as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. The season they got relegated. Uh, your final one, Justin, is Julie. 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 How's that spelled? G-U-L-Y. That's Julie de Prado. Play for Southampton. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's 42 <laughs> appearances for Southampton in 2011, 2012. So you're absolutely right there. Um, that's Yobi Makinoff, real or bluff. Was it a good game? Probably not. Which version of the game was better? I don't know. Are we going to ever do this again? Probably not. But it made a nice change, didn't it, Justin, just before Christmas? I enjoyed it. I think the viewers should let us know which version they enjoyed better. I think there was value in both. I feel like it may not have much longevity, the actual both games really because we'll run out of players to go through eventually but uh, yeah. it, it was an experience nonetheless if you are still listening then thank you for listening to the second tier this week um, we'll be back again I, I'm wondering if whether we should do a game uh, next week's or the midweek episode just in slightly earlier because Thursday's the 23rd isn't it so it gives people an extra bit of time because I don't think they want to listen to us on Christmas day do they um, so we may release the midweek episode slightly earlier than usual but uh, you'll see just keep an eye out for or on your podcast feed for when that comes out we'll obviously talk about Fulham the Sheffield United on Monday night which is a massive massive game and of course look ahead to any of the big games coming up on Boxing Day but this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again at some point in midweek I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach Thank you for listening.